Welcome to the Inspired Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Van Kulen, and this podcast is all about creating a functional wellness lifestyle that's simple, practical, and inspiring. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Inspired Wellness Podcast. How are you all doing? Where I live, we are going on, I think, around a month and a half of being in quarantine, and we're doing all right. Um, (laughs) We've been very blessed that my husband is able to work from home, and aside from the boys being out of school and just being a little bit cooped up, our lives aren't really too drastically different from how they normally are. I stay home with my boys anyway, and I still have a toddler who naps, so we're normally home all the time. Um, We are missing our church, though, and our normal get-togethers with friends. And in the upper Midwest, it's been a pretty cool spring, so the weather hasn't been the greatest for playing outside. But I think we're just around the corner from some warmer weather, so that will make things a lot easier. Um, But anyway, I'm so glad that you're here today because we're going to be talking about friendships. This is something that a lot of people are thinking about right now because as some people are getting more time than ever with their immediate family, they're deeply missing their friends and the people in their community. And if you live alone, I'm sure this quarantine has been rough for you. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the importance of friendships and how they affect our health. And then I'll talk about some ways that we can deepen our friendships. A lot of these ideas will need to wait to be put into practice, of course, until after the stay-at-home order is lifted. But I also have some creative ideas to share with you about how to stay connected during quarantine. So first, I want to share with you a study that was done at Brigham Young University by Julianne Holt-Lundsted. You might have heard about this study before. It was a pretty big one. She wanted to find out the answer to this question. What reduces people's chances of dying the most? Or in other words, what lifestyle factors help you live the longest? So what she did was her and her colleagues studied tens of thousands of middle-aged people, and they looked at every aspect of their lifestyle. So they looked at diet, they looked at their exercise, they looked at whether or not they smoked or whether or not they drank, whether they went to the doctor, all those different things, and then they waited seven years. And then after the seven years were over, they interviewed the ones who were still living to see what lifestyle factors created the most longevity. And this is what they found. There were 10 lifestyle factors they accounted for, and this is how they ranked from lowest to highest effect on longevity. So there was clean air, whether they were treated for their hypertension, whether they were lean versus overweight, whether or not they exercised, whether or not they were in cardiac rehab, whether they got a flu vaccine. Now that one surprised me because who knew that getting your flu vaccine would rank higher in keeping you alive than being overweight or exercising. That's just crazy to me. And then next there was whether they quit drinking and then whether they quit smoking. And the top two were their close relationships and their social integration. This means that the lifestyle factors that most impacted how long they would live 
was whether or not they had close relationships and were part of a social network. Those two things affected their longevity more than smoking and exercise, which is so interesting. Even more surprisingly, social integration was the number one factor above close relationships. This means all of their relationships, so coworkers, acquaintances, the person you talk to who makes your coffee, anyone who you have any sort of relationship with. And in the study, they didn't have any data on the quality of these relationships. So the bad ones and the good ones were just lumped together and averaged out. And it was still the number one factor that impacted longevity. So this is powerful stuff. Since this study, there have been many others with new findings, and they all support how important it is to your health and well-being to have friendships and a community of people surrounding you. And think about stress, too, because that's something that is well-researched and pretty universally agreed upon to have a huge impact on your health. And being part of a social network and having high-quality friendships helps reduce stress levels. I mean, humans are very social beings. On a deep level, we crave connection and we crave belonging. So it makes a lot of sense that when those things are missing from our lives, that we would suffer. So in light of all this, I want to share with you some things I've learned over the years about making friends and maintaining those friendships. And some of it might surprise you. So first off, There are two things to keep in mind. First, the quality of your friendships is important because you can have friends and be part of a friend group or many friend groups, and you can still feel lonely because the most fulfilling friendships are the ones where the other person gets you. They understand you and they care about your life and your passions and your strengths and even your weaknesses, and they love all of you and they want you in their life. This is so important. And when I look back at my life, being a girl and then a woman, I've never been attached to a group of people who I didn't feel truly valued by. I've only ever desired to be friends with people who want me there and who truly care about me. So seek out those types of friendships and you'll feel a lot less lonely, even if you have less friends. And second, when you're an adult, and especially if you're making new friends, you need to allow time for your friendships to grow. So when you're young, it's super easy for friendships to take off quickly because we have so much more time to spend with friends and more life to experience with them, especially if you go to school all day together or something, you know, there's less distraction and responsibility and you're just more free to let your friendships grow organically. So when you're an adult, you have responsibilities that just aren't conducive to growing friendships easily. I mean, you might have a partner or spouse, kids, a job, a home to care for, and All of these things are priorities over friendships, but friendships grow best and deepest when life is experienced together over the course of time. And that generally just takes longer when you're an adult. So allow time for that. So I have three tips for you 
on how to make space in your life for friendships and how to deepen them. So tip number one is design your life in a way that fosters friendship. And what I mean by this is think about the things in your life that are roadblocks to taking care of your friendships. For example, I'm a mom of four kids and my house can get messy. (laughs) And when my house is messy, I don't want to have people over. Now, I know that my good friends love me and they're not going to judge me. And I absolutely wouldn't judge them over a messy house. But for me personally, I feel more relaxed and able to focus on my friends and just be hospitable when I know my home is comfortably tidy. So when I design my life in a way that makes sure my main living spaces are regularly tidy, I'm more likely to be a better friend. I'm more likely to be spontaneous with last minute get togethers and be focused on my friends and not be distracted by my embarrassment at a messy house if they pop over unannounced. I also think it's great to block out time chunks in your week, even if it's just a couple hours that are devoted to connecting with friends, whether it's inviting a friend to coffee or making a phone call or even just keeping that space open with no plans in case an opportunity to get together comes up. So think about ways that you can design your life in a way that fosters friendship. Think about the roadblocks that you have and the things that prevent you from being the kind of friend you want to be. Okay, so tip number two is create a recurring opt-out event. So this is an idea I got from Drew Perowitz's podcast, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. So basically, you plan a get-together with friends, such as a hike or a coffee shop meeting or whatever, and schedule it to recur at the same time and day every single week. Or it can be bi-weekly or even monthly, depending on what it is. And it's just assumed that everyone will be there unless, of course, they opt out. So this is a really great way to have automatic community built into your life. And it's very low pressure because if you can't make it that week, you simply opt out. And you know you can always go back again the next week. It also takes some intentionality out of the equation, which can be super helpful if your life is really busy. And it's just a great way to prioritize your friendships. And then tip number three is be vulnerable by depending on them. So if you're anything like me, it can be hard to let your friends do things for you because there's this fear that you're going to come off as needy or just be a burden in some way. But it's actually a really great way to strengthen your friendships. And here's what I mean. If a friend offers to bring you a meal or run an errand for you, if your first response is to say, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Instead, Decide to be vulnerable in that moment and depend on them for what they're offering. And I'd also add that asking them for a favor can be great, like having them pick up your child from school or pick something up for you from the store. Simple things like that can be great because you are giving them an opportunity to be a good friend to you. And You're also opening a door for allowing them to feel comfortable to ask you for a favor in the future. 
And that sort of comfort in a friendship will automatically deepen it, right? There's a certain level of trust that's built when you depend on someone and they know they can depend on you. So think about that and keep your eyes open for those kind of opportunities with your friends. So right now, it's kind of hard to do some of these things because we're still in quarantine, but there are some creative ways we can stay connected and grow our friendships during this time. So there's always phone calls and Zoom and texting and things that most of us are probably already doing. Honestly, I'm loving the Zoom thing because since we've been in lockdown, I've actually connected more with some friends and family members who live far away than I normally do when we're not in lockdown. So I think going forward, even after the stay-at-home order is lifted, this is something I'll continue to do. And I just think it's a really good thing we can learn from this lockdown to bring into the post-COVID world. Another way to stay connected is to drive to people's homes and just park in their driveway and talk with them for a few minutes from your car. You know, keep your distance, of course, but there's no need to not see your friends ever during this time. I mean, you can safely keep your distance and still see them and talk with them, even if it's brief. Another idea I really love is to write a longhand letter. Now, this might seem old school, but I think it's a lost art, really, and I think it would mean a lot to receive a letter like this from a friend where you can actually see their handwriting and know the time they took to write their their thoughts out to you. And another idea is that you can order gifts to send to your friends to let them know that you're thinking of them. Imagine how much it might mean to a friend to have a thoughtful gift from you waiting for them on their doorstep. Some people aren't as into gifts as others, but for some people, gifts are a huge love language for them. And so think about your, you know, what friends might like that and maybe consider sending them something. And lastly, go on walks or hikes or do something outside together where you can safely keep your distance. I've seen a lot of people doing this on social media, and I think it's a really great idea. And it's low risk because you're in the fresh air, you're outside, and if you're keeping your distance, it's pretty unlikely that you could transfer any illness to them. So that's it, friends. I hope that this has given you some inspiration to pursue the deepening of your friendships and just some things to think about when it comes to friendships. So just to recap the tips, tip number one, was design your life in a way that fosters friendship. Tip number two was create a recurring opt-out event. And tip number three was to be vulnerable by depending on them. I hope that this has given you the inspiration that you need in this time and just gives you some ideas of ways to deepen your friendships once we're out of this post-COVID life. (laughs) So I wanted to leave you with a quote that I recently read and I absolutely love it. Friendship isn't a big thing. It's a million little things. Isn't that so true? All the little things, they add up to the big things, don't they? I just love that. Anyway, I hope you're staying safe and thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave me a review on iTunes. And if you want to connect further, head on over to lindsayvk.com, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-V-K.com, and sign up for my newsletter. 
you'll get a free guide called Five Simple and Healthy Dinner Recipes Every Mom Should Know. These are tried and true classic recipes from my own kitchen that I really think you'll love. Until next time, stay healthy and stay inspired.